Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You've worked with John Gruden before and you talked about your relationship earlier this season the emails that came out over the last couple days and his resignation last night. What's your reaction to that? You know, I'm just saddened by it. Um, I'm saddened for the for the Raiders organization. Uh, I'm saddened for the people that were offended by it. I'm saddened for Coach Gruden. Um, it's a sad commentary. And that's really the only opinion that I care to share at this juncture. Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Chris Sims, Mike Florio, good morning. We are heading toward week six of the 2021 NFL season. Plenty of football to discuss today over the course of the next two hours. Hello to the audience enjoying the program or otherwise on Peacock. Anyone who sees the re-air at 9 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Listening on the podcast, wherever podcasts are available. And... Last, but certainly not least, and arguably the best, our friends in the UK, in Ireland, in Wales, in every city and town, and whatever other geographic subset there is with, you know, terms I'm not aware of. (laughs) Hello to all of you watching on Sky Sports. Hi, Chris. Hello, Michael. How you doing, man? Good, good. Good. I uh, Wednesdays Wednesdays are weird for me because I do radio in Charlotte at six twenty, so I have to get up a little earlier Ooh, than I'd like to. Right. And and I'm afraid one of these Wednesday mornings I'm going to exercise the snooze prerogative and forget that it's Wednesday and really screw up my day because I got to get up and get the toupee adjusted and get shaved and make myself presentable before the radio thing. Otherwise, I would be in a and even more of a mad dash than I normally am to get up here and sit down and talk football for two hours. Yeah, that listen. I mean, we're both schedule people, so uh, when you get thrown off your schedule to a degree, yeah, it it does. It shakes you up. I had my own issues, first world problems this morning. But like, you know, I got like a coffee machine, right? A Mealy coffee machine, and I'm I'm a coffee brat. Like, you know, I, I think you know that. 
Uh, but I like my oh, coffee. Well aware. Yep. I like it black. I got two shots of uh, espresso in here. And like this machine, it's a Mealy machine, right? M-I-E-L-E. I think I'm saying it right. It's it's awesome, but it's the most annoying thing in the world. I, I call it the rinse machine. It always needs to be rinsed or cleaned. And this morning was one of those mornings where it had to be like completely rinsed and cleaned. And right, you know, I could you just yeah. dump it all into the trash can in the studio. I Is really that what you did? I re- <laughs> I wanted to bring it out in the driveway and smash it like office space, like the uh, like the copy machine. But man, did that throw me off. So I may or may have not been speeding down the highway to make up time. I may or may have not run run a few red lights uh, after assessing the situation this morning just to make sure I got here on time. So I uh, had my own issues. See, if you would just live in your workplace like I do, oh, you don't no. have that issue. Yeah, I know. I had to <laughs> step over a pair of shoes and... Uh, you know, I'd left my computer case in a spot where I could have tripped over it if I wasn't paying attention. That was my commute this morning. Rough. Um, and, and, and by the way, by the way, yeah. I, I do have to say this. I, I had forgotten about it last week, but I think it was last Thursday when we taped the joint Megapix podcast, you did inadvertently dump the water that you use to preheat your mug into the trash can in the studio a practice that you had abandoned, but temporarily re-embraced. How did you know? Who told you? You didn't know that, really. You did! I, okay. You did! Okay. I did. I forgot as I got down here. I did, and I, I had to do it. We were getting ready to go on, and I was like, oh, man, I still got the hot water in there. So, uh, okay, damn, I guess I did tell, wrap myself, out, wrap, wrap myself the, out here. I still, I still, and look, we got serious things to get to, but it, it's been a very long and and challenging week where we haven't really focused on football as much as we'd like to so let us have a couple more seconds of fun here how in the hell what do you think it helps make the coffee hotter if there's already hot water in the mug when you put the coffee in the coffee's hot the coffee's already hot the coffee's not already it's getting lukewarm by that point i mean it's been in this like little container here since 5.45 this morning. So we do that podcast on a Thursday. It's 10 o'clock. It's almost five hours. It's not as hot. So I try to make the cup a little hot, hoping that when I pour the coffee in there, it'll make the coffee just a little warmer. I mean, you understand that logic, right? I know they got microwaves there. Why don't you pour the coffee into the mug, put the mug in the microwave, I don't, turn the microwave I don't. You know, they do have microwaves. I don't do microwaves. I don't. I don't like them. Sorry. Yeah. I'll tell you this, and this right. is the last thing I swear. Right. I swear this is the last thing. I will not ever reheat coffee in a microwave. Once the coffee naturally migrates below that temperature, and I don't know what that temperature is. I've talked about this before. Like there, And, and there's a magic number where coffee goes from being acceptable to disgusting. Yes, there And is. I don't know what degree that is. Right. But once it goes below that, yeah. I will not artificially heat it up again like it's got to be living on the original heat from the brewing process or i'm done yeah i'm, I'm out i don't want it i respect that i do i, I mean as a coffee brat yeah I, I want it hot warm like fresh ready to go i don't like microwaves in general i, I don't know just doesn't seem right to me so uh but yeah that's why i did it and i made a mistake so sorry to whoever had to take out the trash out of uh, studio six here at nbc sports sorry about that 
I recently was standing in front of a microwave waiting for whatever it was I had in there to be finished. And and I'm staring into this this device that is using invisible radiation to heat the food. And I asked myself, is it really safe? Like, how do we know? Like, what kind of studies were ever done with someone standing in front of a microwave? So I took a step back. Yeah, anyway, good, good. Uh, we do know it takes the nutrients out of food. That's one reason I don't mess with it anymore. So there's one good reason of well, not reheating when, food. When, yeah. When you're heating up a cupcake, you're really not worried That's about okay. that. That's okay. You're good. Right. Yeah, no Let's nutrients. take a step. Maybe it's actually good. <laughs> <laughs> take, take some of the sugar and crap Detox. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we apologize for that detour, but really it has been kind of a stressful week for a lot of people. And I look, I mean, it's when, when you know, you get into a rhythm and Chris talked about a schedule. We're used to talking about football. We're used to talking about, you know, the lighthearted stuff. It becomes more challenging when we're navigating waters where the, the, there are more serious matters at play. And this is one of those because of the the ongoing controversy that uh came to a head on Monday night when John Gruden resigned as head coach of the Raiders. The aftermath continues. The questions continue. And, um, you know, I, I, I am uniquely positioned to understand and express plenty of these things because it overlaps with the time I spent practicing law. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and talking about it over the past couple of days. And it is exhausting, but it's important. So let's begin with the latest on John Gruden. And this broke yesterday afternoon, Chris, while we were doing PFTPM, we being uh, Shereen Williams and I. John Gruden has been removed from the Buccaneers ring of honor. And Shereen at the top of the show raised that question. Will the Buccaneers remove him from the Ring of Honor? And I said, well, you know, that's a good question. I mean, will there be public pressure to do it? Will they decide to do it and maybe float a trial balloon to see how people react to it? No, they decided to do it, and they did it. By the end of the hour, that was it. And Gruden is out of the Ring of Honor based upon the materials that came to light between Friday and Monday. There's the statement the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have advocated for purposeful change in the areas of race relations, gender equality, diversity, and inclusion for many years. While we acknowledge John Gruden's contributions on the field, his actions go against our core values as an organization. Therefore, he will no longer continue to be a member of the Buccaneers Ring of Honor. And that was that. And there it goes. And uh, your reaction to that development, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I'm not surprised. I didn't know if it would happen yesterday. I guess that's where it got me a, a little bit like, whoa. I mean, they, they took action immediately. Uh, it, it, I think, you know, first off, I think my first reaction was, hey, uh, from the outside looking in, from a guy who, of course, played in that organization at one time and, you know, had has had friends and people I've known down there for a long time, I, I always had the feeling that the Glazier-Gruden relationship was on thin ice or on at least choppy waters, you know, for lack of better ways of saying it. I mean, it didn't end the best way. Uh, I mean, anybody who's been around the NFL as far as when John Gruden was coaching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – you know, yeah, uh, it, it, it was an ugly parting of ways there where I do think there was a disagreement about philosophy of how the team was being run, how John Gruden was treating people to a degree, you know, and uh, from everything I know, it was a little bit like Gruden was like, how dare you, you know, ask me these questions and, and want to know and tell me how to run the football team. Well, how dare you? You're the owners of the team. They're allowed to do that. So, you know, from that aspect, I, I always wondered how, you know, 
how the relationship was now in 2018, 2019, 2020 now, especially when he got into the ring of honor. Uh, the Glaziers, in my experience, are a phenomenal family who do care about people. And my, my relationship with them, you know, I don't see them or talk to them anymore. But when I do see them, they couldn't be more pleasant. They were great owners when I was there as far as kind of staying out of the way. But if you ever needed anything, you always felt like, hey, this is you can go in there and talk to them and, you know, they'll do their best to help you out. Uh, but so, yeah, of course, they don't stand for these core values. And I think this is just, you know, um, something that they couldn't they couldn't live with. The fact that you were going to see his name around that stadium uh, after those comments and the emails and the weekend and everything like that, that. You know, they had to do it. They took action right away. And uh, I guess that's where I was a little surprised that it happened so quickly. You know, not that they needed any more evidence or emails to justify the decision, but I'm curious as to whether they were curious about emails that John Gruden may have sent and well, received. Well, that was the next on thing. Their, right. On their computer server Ooh, right. because that stuff still it's all built to save it's not built to delete it's yeah. built to save and sure. we're going back to 2008 and prior to that but email existed then i know if i owned the buccaneers one of the first things i'd think is let's see what i, I just want to know what kind of poisonous stuff may be lurking around on our servers from our former head coach, just out of curiosity? And not that they needed to do it, and even if they did, it, it doesn't matter. What, what was already out there was enough for them to do what they did. But I, I just thought of that as you were explaining it. If I'm the Glazers, I am at least mildly curious about what may be on our servers as it relates to emails sent and received by Gruden back during the 2002 to 2008 time frame. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would I would be curious too. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there's some colorful language. Who knows? I don't know. Hopefully there's no other language or we don't, you know, Bob, just inappropriate. Saying, just, I hear I, you. Yeah, but I didn't but, mean to. I didn't mean sometimes you, you, you lead the horse to water and you hope he drinks. Sometimes you lead the horse to water and you hope he doesn't. Yeah. I didn't mean to put you in a position where you're going to speculate. No, I just think that good. it'd be curious. I'd be curious if I were the Glazers. Well, and, I mean, uh, where the Glazers should be curious, nonetheless, I mean, as we know, and we've heard the reports now, I, I haven't seen the specific email or anything about that, but. You know, we have heard, and of course it's been reported, that some of the emails that, of course, are derogatory and mean and bad things said about people, the Glaciers are one of those group of people that, you know, were caught in the crossfire here between John Gruden and Bruce Allen. I don't know exactly what was said, but that certainly didn't help John Gruden's case of keeping him in the ring of honor. Wait, you're going to say all these, you know, distasteful things on email, you know, of course, offensive you know, mean things like that. And then you're going to hear, oh, well, wait, he also said something about us, you know, and of course they're an owner of the football team. Maybe they know exactly what was said about them in the email. But I think that's like the little push over the edge where you just go, wait, I mean, man, was that bad and everything there. But at the same time, now he's obviously taking some personal shots at us. And that probably made the decision even easier to make and, and just clean cut and dry. And, and that's that. And I think that from a broader perspective, as it relates to the various NFL teams, the league office, and anyone else out there who is in business of any kind, we see these disclaimers get added to the bottoms 
of emails all the time, and we just typically ignore them. And I've been paying more attention to them, and I saw one yesterday. I'm not going to mention the company, but at the very bottom of the email, this may contain confidential material. If you're not an intended recipient, please notify the sender, delete immediately, and understand that no disclosure or reliance on the information herein is permitted. The company may monitor email to and from our network. I mean, these companies reserve the right. There's a question of privacy. How much privacy should there be? Typically, when you are sending and receiving email on your company's server with your company account, yeah. there is no expectation of privacy. No, they own it. Anything you say is right. fair game. They own it. They can monitor it. They can look at it. There's an office episode on it where Michael Scott exercises his prerogative to monitor email, and he finds out he he, he hasn't been invited to a barbecue at Jim's house, and he's very upset about it, and he goes anyway. But uh, you can watch it on Peacock when you're done watching us. But uh, th- that's something that I think, yeah, and that's re- really the, when something like this occurs, you, you can take a step back if you're a manager, if you own a company, if you're an employee, and, and just remember some of these things. Because I, I wonder how many of those disclaimers were at the bottom of emails sent and received by Bruce Allen and whether anybody ever paid any attention to them. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I mean, of course, that's that's where I just can't believe it. For as brilliant as John Gruden is in so many ways, and again, he's one of the smarter human beings I've been around. Quick as hell, you know. As far as you know, just if you said something funny or snarky, um, but I, I just I just can't get over that he would send this type of stuff across, you know, company emails to an NFL employee. That's where I'm still shocked by the whole thing. I really am. I think that's the most shocking thing to me of all is the fact that he went down that road. And the other thing, just to him personally, John Gruden, yeah, he loves football. There's no doubt. It's the passion of his life. And I don't know if everybody knows this, but I'm sure we have some viewers that don't. You know, Tampa's his hometown. It's where he he grew up a significant part of his life. He moved around a little bit because his dad was a head coach or a, a, co- a football coach, but he identifies with Tampa as his his place his home and I bet you that hurt his heart a little bit when he heard he was being taken out of the ring of honor you know how could it not you know of course he won a Super Bowl there there was a lot of work and 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 you know tough times to overcome and you know he he really invested himself into that organization of course being one of the best coaches in the history of that organization and you know, it is his hometown. I still believe he still has a house there. So to have that and, you know, ripped off the stadium, uh, I, I bet you that that hurt his soul a little bit yesterday. And to just demonstrate how significant that decision was to remove him from the Ring of Honor, the Buffalo Bills Ring of Honor to this day includes Orenthal James Simpson. That's how significant the move was. By the Glazers to that's, remove John yeah, Gruden from the Ring of Honor. That's a good point. Right, right. That's that's pretty crazy. Uh, I I don't you know yeah that's that's a, maybe a topic for another another day, but uh, I don't know. It what, just shows you how serious. Yeah, yeah, how serious or not, this is. Right. How serious it's. If they didn't do it to OJ yeah. in Buffalo, and they did it like that to John Gruden in Tampa, it just shows you how serious it is. No and, doubt. You know, Ring of Honor is supposed to be one of those things they can never take away. Well, they took it away. And uh, and the Glazers believed that it was appropriate, and there's been no outcry against it that I have seen. Another point that I want to I want to make here because it's it's in 
the outline that we share that kind of guides us, and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But one of the things that was really jarring from the New York Times story on Monday night that, that served as the catalyst to get Gruden to resign was the email he sent to Bruce Allen criticizing the league for pressuring the Rams to draft Michael Sam, yeah. who was the first prospective NFL player who was openly gay. He never played in an NFL regular season game. He was with the Rams in the preseason. He was on the Cowboys practice squad. And there are many who believe that as the draft was coming to a conclusion, Roger Goodell got on the phone with Jeff Fisher, who was the Rams coach at the time, and they brokered a deal. And Fisher took Michael Sam because Goodell did not want Sam to go undrafted. Right. Now, Fisher issued a statement on Twitter yesterday denying that. But regardless, regardless, that was significant because... On John Gruden's team, the first openly gay player to play in a regular season game. And and I mention that because, and I remember this now, Chris. Yeah. When Carl Nassib came out in June, Gruden's statement was, I learned a long time ago that what makes a man different is what makes him great. And I remember sitting in this seat being confused by like, like what does that even mean? And why are we underscoring that he's different? It was just a weird comment for him to make. And I remember thinking that's a weird comment. And I remember saying that's a weird comment. And I remember feeling bad for saying that's a weird comment, but that was my honest and authentic reaction. That's a weird comment. And to know what we know now, maybe it's not so weird. Yeah. uh, Well, yeah. You know, again, you know, there's some sort of, uh, especially with some of the old school. NFL coaches, yeah, there's a little bit of a stigma there with with these type of conversations. And I, you know, again, I, I hear you. Uh, I believe he made a statement again and made the similar statement like not long after that. I I don't know really know what that means either. You're right; it's not the most comforting thing, and especially now when you look back at it, certainly, yeah, you 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 kind of do. You go, what I what 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 does that mean? Yeah. Um, but you know, like. Uh, where, where, like, I think a lot of coaches in the last 20 years have changed and realized, of course, society's changed. You know, the conversation around a lot of these issues as far as gay, lesbian, uh, and all the other, you know, transgender and, and, and all of that has, has, you know, changed the NFL in a lot of ways. It really has. But not, but not nearly enough. Not, not nearly enough. enough. I mean, no, definitely not. And I, 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 let me just say one more thing. And then, like, I do think, you know, I do think a lot of coaches just kind of came to the conclusion, too, like, wait, the chances are that we do have a gay player in our locker room, you know. I think they've known that for a while. How could they not know that? How could they not realize that? I, are they that? Are they that? I, yeah, they're that well, meat-heady I mean, for a long time. Yeah, it's all oh, football. I, I, we're oh, we're tough. This is what we yeah. do, and we're all you know we're all men, men, and man, and that 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 was the thought just, for a long time. Um, I'm not I'd like to think anymore. that we're at a point where we all are who we are, and we can all be who we are, sure. and we can all exist together as we are without judgment or scorn or ridicule we are who we are and and we've gotten to that point and it's good that we're at that point whatever you are whoever you are however you are you're part of the broader society and we all are in this together and uh hopefully this is one of those moments that that if there's anyone who's holding out from growing and developing and maturing in that way it kind of pulls them over that that river and you know into the boat with the rest of us all right here's an important 
lingering Not everybody's issue. in that boat. I'm just going to tell you that. Oh, I know. Okay? I Not, know. I, maybe I this will with, get him in the boat. Well, I Listen, played with players I, that I could tell you. There's room in the boat for everybody. Right. Uh, we, all, we just got to pull them into the boat if we can. I know. It just There's a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, religions, and, and, and all of that in the NFL to where, listen, even at the end of my career, I remember some comments in the locker room by guys being like, what? That's, that's what you think about that I, subject? I, and I'm not trying I, to accuse I, anybody. I'm just telling you, you know, yes, it's whittling away that culture in the NFL, but it's still there to some degree as we're seeing, you know, right now and right in front of our face. Um, another important unanswered question that people are focused on, which I think is good because usually – it's it's hard to get people to care about some of these nuances that I think are important. This is a nuance that I think is very important that people are locked onto. How did we even find out about the Gruden emails to Bruce Allen when there are 650,000 emails that were generated as part of the Washington football team investigation? They were buried under 300 feet of reinforced concrete, never to be seen again. The NFL pulled that one off back in early July, and no one said boo. There was some dust up. The Washington Post had some criticism of it. We criticized it. But by the time we got to the other end of the 4th of July weekend, everybody Nobody had moved cared. on. Right. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. But now, because someone dipped into that reservoir of documents and selected a small handful of them, and they were used to get John Gruden to resign from his post as the head coach of the Raiders— People are wondering how this came to be. Yeah. How were these documents leaked? Right. Who wanted them out? Who did it? And Peter King and I had a fairly spirited discussion about this yesterday because I firmly believe the league did it. I firmly believe the league did it. I've been saying it from the get-go. I got zero pushback from anyone. I've seen no statement from the league saying, for example, and let me tell you, Peter's idea is, well, what if there was some rogue investigator with the league who decided I'm appalled by these emails that John Gruden sent, I'm going to leak these. Well, first of all, there had to have been some other appalling emails that would have been leaked too. How does it become focused on John Gruden? And secondly, if someone connected to the league did this against the authorization of the league, against the policies of the league, against this very broad confidentiality that the NFL has applied to everything yeah. related to the Washington football team investigation, the league should be pissed, and the league should say so. Of course. We do not authorize. We do not condone. We are dismayed that someone violated the confidentiality of the Washington football team investigation and provided these documents to the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. But no. It's been crickets. There's been no show of frustration or discouragement or disapproval of what happened. So if it did happen, where's the NFL in saying this was wrong? And, and, I'll t and let me just say one more thing, Chris. Yeah. I say that because yesterday I sent an email to Brian McCarthy on an unrelated question that relates to this broader situation, but it has nothing to do with who leaked what or when. And he, in responding to me, added, oh, by the way, we didn't leak these, despite your suggestion. And my response was, oh, are you investigating who did? And that was 5 o'clock Eastern yesterday, right. and I haven't gotten a response to that email. And that, was all, that part was on the record. I always respect on-the-record and off-the-record communication. Sure, that was sure. on the record. Right. I asked him, are you investigating who did? Because you had them, NFL. They had them. Yeah. 
Now, and, and somebody said to me last night, well, maybe the Raiders did it after they sent him to the Raiders. Well, okay, then say that the Raiders engaged in the unauthorized league or we're investigating whether the Raiders did. But it's crickets. It's crickets. All it is is we didn't do it. But there's nothing that would suggest that they are upset and trying to find out who did. And this is important because it brought down John Gruden, even though he deserved it. Yeah. Even though he deserved it. Right. Whoever did it has the power to end careers. And let me say one more thing. Yeah. Because this is extremely important and folks need to understand this. There are still 650,000 emails. Right. And whoever did it to John Gruden could do it to someone else. Of course. And I'm not saying they wouldn't deserve it, but think about the power that that person has. Sure. They can end another career. They can blackmail someone into resigning and will never even know that those documents were going to be released. This, this is a very troubling thing. This is this is a powerful weapon. You know, we, we hear that phrase all the time, well, if that falls into the wrong hands, it already has yeah. fallen into the wrong yeah. hands. Someone has weaponized these confidential emails and brought down John Gruden. All right, so, I mean, listen, I, I, I can get behind that the NFL didn't release these. I, I mean... I can't. I, I mean, I can't. I, we don't know that. I understand that. I, I mean, I'm... I'm common I'm, sense, logic. I, I, go ahead, I'm well, sorry. Well, okay, it's okay. I mean, I, I hear you with the common sense or logic, but here's like other common sense and logic to where I would think they wouldn't want... You know, first off... They don't want this in the, this conversation to dominate the league right now. This doesn't do anything positive for the NFL. It makes it look like there's still a bunch of meat sticks who have a lot of like issues with society. It's not a good look. So I don't think the NFL was like, let's do this. I don't, nor to the point like what you're talking about where you know this guy has a lot of power. I can't imagine that the 32 owners would want to invite this and open Pandora's box on this stuff either. So from that standpoint, I, I tend to think that, yeah, the NF, somebody in the NFL offices, maybe a lawyer that was related to all this uh, somewhere down the line. I don't know. I don't know how many people got involved with, you know, in the league office, outside not law many. firms. All right. Not many. Well, I know. And, I, you know, in the NFL, for them not to answer, I'm, I'm sure I would think they're pissed and they're trying to get to the bottom of, like, what happened here? Because again, I mean, we 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 nobody's talking about the NFL football right now anywhere on any right. TV. So I don't think the NFL wanted this to dominate their league in Week Six of the NFL season, and that's where I can somewhat think like, yeah, I don't think this was an NFL calculated thing. I do think there was some source connected to this whole thing who decided to maybe go rogue or expose John Gruden this way. I don't want to get too far off the track, but do you remember how the bounty scandal unfolded in March of 2012? I, I don't know if I do exactly. No, okay. you have to refresh I, I my do. memory. Yeah. I lived it. Right. I lived it right. every step of the way because I was stunned because my initial reaction then was the same as your reaction now. Why in the hell is the NFL putting out there that one of its franchises was engaged in this practice of incentivizing players with cash to inflict injury on opponents? Why are they being so open about this why are they exposing this now it wasn't during the season but it was when it all came to a head it came to a head in march of 2012 and the nfl's motivation i believe then was to clean up the sport sure. to show that they're doing what they have to do to make the game safer and i think the motivation here 
is to clean things up as it mm. relates to this kind of toxic communication. And Chris, let's go back to last week. And this has gotten lost over the course of the past couple of days. Yeah. It's entirely possible this began as they recognized the threat to D. Smith, who was facing a vote on which his future with the NFL Players Association would hinge on Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Right. That became obvious on Wednesday of last week. By Thursday, this was in motion with the emails being sent to the Raiders, with the Wall Street Journal poking around and asking questions of Gruden and the Raiders, and... I think this got put in motion. I think the NFL is smart enough to know, number one, what the NFLPA Constitution sets forth by way of dates when various things happen in advance of the expiration of the executive director's contract. They knew the general timetable. They knew they needed to be ready to go. And when they perceived the threat to DeMora Smith, they mobilized. And, and you know, the Frankenstein monster kind of, ran out of the lab and took over the town. That's the best possible metaphor I can come up with. But it took on a life of its own. And also, you know, as they saw more of what was there and decided that they needed to do something about it and people leaked more of it, whoever was leaking it, that's, you know, at some point the, it changed from, my theory is it changed from we got to save D. Smith's job to we got to keep going after John Gruden until he's out of the league. And maybe it was both from the get-go. Maybe they knew if they ever had to mobilize to save D. Smith, they were going to take down John Gruden. I don't know. But but look, bottom line, if this was not authorized or conducted by the league, if someone went rogue here, the league should be alarmed and the league should not be silent. The league should be saying, we had a breach by someone in a position of trust and we will investigate and we will hold that person accountable because confidentiality is critical. That They refuse to continue to release any other information about this yeah. because of the confidentiality of the entire investigation. Well, they just undermined it, either directly or indirectly. Somebody undermined the confidentiality. So either they did it or they should be extremely pissed that someone did. There's no middle ground. Well, yeah, they, they yes, agreed. But, you know, the NFL doesn't make comments like that. They don't. You know, I, I don't I, – that's where, you know, they're a little different that way. I mean, we'd like to them address a lot other situations, you know, more aggressively. That's not exactly what they always do there. I, I just can't – I can't get behind. I, I, I don't know. My thought at a base level is just the NFL can't be this stupid to think that they were going to release these emails and that a controversy wasn't going to start up. And then people were going to want to know the rest of the emails. I mean, this is the type of thing that could really crush the sport. If we start to find out emails. No, no it won't. No, it won't. Gosh, you can it lose. It won't crush the sport. Well, it won't crush the sport. It's going to crush the sport. It, will keep going. Well, I know it will, but it's going to crush their pockets. They're going to lose. They're going to lose portions of society if we start to hear more and more emails like this that are bashing, you know, certain, you know, gay, lesbian, anything like that, black people. No, no. You got to twist it upside down. Why? This is this is how you show that you've changed. This is how you show that you're inclusive by cleaning up the mess. You're, really? You're, if, you're if, if you have like 20 action. owners and a bunch of other people that are also involved, it's in this? not going to be 20 owners. Well, here's here's the reality. Look, and and this 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 is whether it happened intentionally or accidentally, they got a mess, and they they chose to send to the Raiders. The John Gruden emails. They chose to do that. Okay. That's separate from leaking. Yeah. To the I media. got you there. Right. Right. And, and they, they, they decided 
that they were sufficiently alarmed by John Gruden's emails to prepare a package of them and deliver them to Mark Davis. Yeah. Okay. Right. Regardless of who said what to the Wall Street Journal, the right. New York Times. Right. The NFL put the process in motion, sent it to the Raiders, and Shefty said Monday night that the NFL isn't taking any action against John Gruden. They're waiting to see what the Raiders do. And when you look at the strength of the statement that the NFL issued about those emails condemning them, and when you look at the fact that Gruden eventually resigned, what did the NFL want? The NFL wanted him out. The NFL wanted him out. Well, yeah, of course and, they did because they knew this was they, already so, out and this was going to come okay, out. No, so. no, 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 Chris, no. The, the leaks didn't start until after the NFL put together the package of emails and sent them to Mark Davis. My point is this. This got set in motion by the league against John Gruden before anything was leaked to the media. All the NFL had to do was say, these 650,000 emails are confidential. We're not using them for anything. So this is where the lines are getting a little bit blurred here as we focus on leaks. Even if the league didn't leak it, the league pulled the cord on the lawnmower and took the emails out of that underground sarcophagus of 650,000 emails and sent some of them to Mark Davis. So if we set aside the issue of the leak, we have to say... What is the league going to do about other emails in there that relate to other people who may be implicated? Are we going to be fair here? Why is it only John Gruden that had the dossier of emails sent to his boss with an eye toward getting Gruden out? Who else is in a similar position based on using similar language who also, in fairness to Gruden and in yeah. fairness to the story and in fairness to the investigation, right. should have a similar outcome. That's what's so sinister about this, that the league decided we, we got to take action. All right, so wait, let me just... We, we got to send, send these emails to the Raiders. All right, wait, wait let, 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 me, let me get behind this for a second. I, I mean, and maybe, because uh, listen, I, I know you're smarter than me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dumb blonde football guy from northern New Jersey. But like, okay... The original story about, you know, the rubber lips of DeMorris Smith, right? Okay. okay. All right. Yes. Where we did, don't need to go that far, but yes. Okay. So where did it go? Here's what happened. Right. Where, Here's how what did happened. that start? Here's what where, happened. Yeah, go ahead. Right. The NFL collected the emails that John Gruden sent to Bruce Allen that were offensive and troubling and disparaging and racist, homophobic, transphobic, misogynistic, and sent them to the Raiders. The NFL did that. Okay. The NFL wasn't sparked to do it because one piece of paper ended up with the Wall Street Journal. The piece of paper went to the Wall Street Journal after the NFL decided to send the package of materials to the Raiders. So you're saying the process okay. was in motion it wasn't, before anything was leaked. Even with that the first leak, one, it was. Okay. That, okay. Okay. It was already in motion. The cat was already out of the bag. Okay. As that's far where as the I wasn't the sure. NFL were okay. And I, I wasn't yeah. trying to be offensive. I was just trying to be no, specific no, no, about no, that know, first email. I and I, I, I wasn't right. trying to offend anybody there. Um, I know. I okay. Know. So. Okay. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to draw boundaries. So I know you, you are. I know you're Johnny Lawyer, and you're trying to protect us so we don't get thrown in jail or get fired here. And I, I appreciate you. That. You need to keep. To you, you need to check me, right? <laughs> please, please do, counselor. Please. Uh, okay, so that's where I wanted. Maybe I was confused with that aspect. I thought maybe this was leaked first, 
And then no. it was like, wait, this is leaked. And oh, no, here's all these other emails. Let me send them to the Raiders now because this is an issue. So you're saying Chris, it was already sent in motion. I got you. I got you. Chris. Yeah. And think about this. Yeah. The NFL did the investigation. The NFL collected the emails. Sure. They knew about this for months. I knew months. they did. They knew, ab- right, they knew right. about the Gruden emails for months, and they know about all the other emails. Yeah. And so, last week, right. they put together the packet of emails. They send them to the Raiders. One of them conveniently or coincidentally gets leaked just hours before DeMora Smith is facing the vote that will determine whether or not he stays in his job. The, the email attacking him yeah, personally okay, okay. lands then. Gotcha. And then, so we've got two different realities here. And, and maybe who leaked it is irrelevant. The point is the NFL saw fit to select a small group of documents from 650,000 and use them to bring down John Gruden, period. Now, the fact that they were leaked publicly Monday night to the New York Times and reported made it a foregone conclusion he was walking away, but... There may have been a good chance he was walking away anyway because his boss saw all of these. And I still think there would have been more provided to the Raiders and more would have been leaked if Gruden hadn't walked away. My point is this. Yeah. We got 650,000 other documents there. Mm-hmm. And you've got the NFL Players Association petitioning for all of them to be released. I've said and others have said they should all be released. Lawyers who represent more than 40 former employees of the Washington football team issued a statement last night saying that these should all be released. And I wish there was some legal mechanism. I did some spitballing about this yesterday. You know, to the extent that a stadium is publicly funded, is there some way to activate the Freedom of Information Act and say that these emails, this investigation, this this trove of documents and information must be released publicly? Um, I, I doubt that there's any legal proceeding that could spark all of these documents being released but there's a lot of people who believe they all should be released i just think they should be released because it is a very powerful weapon for the nfl to have where they can bring down others potentially we don't know and we won't know until we see all of them but it's scary to me to think the power the nfl has or someone who has access to those documents may have to bring down people who are implicated by those documents and we currently don't know and won't know until they're all released i i I mean, can anybody really do anything here to make sure they do get released? I mean, uh, that's where, I mean, what's public pressure? Yeah, public Public pressure. pressure. I don't think anything's going to make them buckle with this one. I don't. I I have a hard time thinking we'll ever get to that point. Just, again, I don't know anything. I'm just, my years of being obsessed with the NFL and experience there, I think they're just going to deal with the public pressure, and I don't think we'll ever see these emails. And my thought yesterday, Chris, when I was trying to, come to that same conclusion and I think I'm at the same spot you are that doesn't make me any less motivated to try yeah but you know they can't go to that well again you can't have three weeks from now a general manager or a coach of another team oh look this person also sent emails to Bruce Allen and they get sent to the team and a page or two gets leaked and then that person resigns I don't think they can do that again but what they can do is and I, I'm 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 being realistic here, and I'm not accusing anyone of engaging in any improper activities. I'm just saying that the current circumstances makes it a possibility. Someone could approach another coach or a GM or someone else connected to the league and say, "We found these emails 
in the 650,000 documents that were generated in the Washington football team investigation. And uh, we want you to see them, and we want you to decide what you're going to do about it. Yeah. And it may be more subtle than that, but John Gruden's example may be all that it takes for someone to take early retirement, yeah. to resign, I hear that. to pursue other interests, to spend more time with their family before they get embarrassed by having these materials released. That's, that's potentially scary. out there. Yeah. Until we see all the documents, that's potentially out there, and that's all the more reason for people to keep pushing the NFL to put them all out there because someone's got a hell of a lot of power right now, potentially. And I think that power needs to be diluted. And the only way to do it is just put everything on the table now and be done with it. Yeah, uh, I mean, yes, but I I don't imagine that happening. I mean, you, I agree with everything you we said. We wouldn't know if it did. Yeah. Wouldn't know if it did. Yeah. No, you're right. Wouldn't know if it did. I, I'm sure there's some people who are uncomfortable uh, who have sent emails to the Washington football team over the last 10, 12 years. Uh, definitely. Uh, but, man... Uh, I just I don't I don't envision the NFL releasing these documents and and opening this conversation to a greater capacity to where it just takes the league and the news cycle by storm. I, I don't see that happening. I, I you touched on something very important though that we had yet to dis uh, discuss there, and, and I know this for a fact. I've heard this from people I know and people that I trust. There are a lot of nervous folks throughout the league who did communicate with Bruce Allen. Yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, because people were saying yesterday, oh, there's a lot of email scrubbing going on in the NFL. Well, maybe there is, but the ones that can't be scrubbed are the ones that are already in the 650,000. Yeah, that's Nothing right. you can do about that. Right. They've already, been, they've already been harvested. They're already on a thumb drive or, a, you know, printed out or whatever they do. I don't know what they do, but they're there. They're, they're part of the record of evidence that's been generated by that investigation. And it's not just emails sent and received by Bruce Allen. It's anyone who worked for the organization during the 10-year period, 12-year period, however far back they went. Anybody who had an email account, anyone, executives, coaches, anyone. So it doesn't matter whether or not you even knew or liked Bruce Allen or ever even talked to him. You've got the former name of the team.com domain name that was in your emails and if you weren't, you know, discreet and if you allowed poison to emerge from your fingertips and be typed into emails in that setting, those emails are in there too. Yeah. And you're one of the ones that without notice, without warning, could be brought down by, you know, four or five sheets of paper that get selectively leaked to the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or put into a packet and sent to your boss, your current boss, with... Uh, uh, an unspoken desire that the end result be you don't work there anymore. So that, that, that again, there's just something about that. And it's not excusing the behavior. There's something about the league or someone in the league or someone connected to the league having that power that scares the S dash dash T out of me. Yeah. Because that's a power that no one should have Chris. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I hear you there, a hundred percent. And I mean, as, as scared as you are, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of other people in the NFL that are even more scared than than you. And I'm not scared. I'm not. Per I don't. I, I don't. Have, I didn't send. I, I, I didn't yeah, send no, Bruce Allen an email. Just scary to and, see somebody with and, that power, and, right? And you know, uh, most people. I think, and that's the thing. See, because there's a lot of people out there who are justifiably thinking that you know, ninety five percent 
of the Bruce Allen emails are just like John Gruden's. I think it's a lot lower than that because yeah. I think most people, number one, don't think that way, don't act that way, and aren't stupid enough to reduce it to writing. Right. In a in an email where they recognize that these systems are premised on saving things, not deleting things. But there's only one way to find out. Right. To put a, a pin in this for now, pending further developments, the only way to know whether John Gruden was the outlier or whether everyone acts like this or somewhere in between, there's only one way to find out. You know, with the Packers, we find out every year their full financial picture. Right. And it's a, it's a slice of a 32-piece pie, but it gives us an idea of how the whole league is doing. Well, here we have a slice of a 32-piece pie on how things went in the Washington football team. Why not let us explore the full extent of that one slice to give us an idea of how things really work? Because right now we're in the dark. Right now all we know is Gruden. And I, I think that without more, the belief is going to linger that a hell of a lot of those documents contain very similar poison as the ones that we saw from John Gruden. So why not put it all out there? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I got nothing else to say. I, I, I'm, I'm talked out on the subject. I mean, but I, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's going to happen, though. That's, that would be my final yeah. thought. But, but, but you know what? Just because we think it's not going to happen doesn't mean we shouldn't keep pushing. Because yeah, I, I will, that. and I hope I others will, too. Right. We are way, way over, and uh, we're going to pivot back to football when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. I'm a, I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I enjoy the way he goes about business. I enjoy the way he plays with confidence. I will, I will tell you the thing that I told him, which I've told um, you know, other quarterbacks uh, from time to time, slide. <laughs> yeah. Slide. Yeah. I, I said, you're too damn talented. You got so much in front of you to accomplish in this league. Just sometimes you got to slide. You know, I would have said the same thing to, to Andrew. You know, Andrew initially got hurt in Indy, you know, being Superman and running guys over and stuff like 
the only guy who I've told the slide who really didn't need to hear it and still doesn't is the guy that was playing last night because he's so damn fast and talented and strong around the ball, man. You can keep running like that for a lot of years, Lamar. You don't need to slide. But everybody else, like, you know, just slide every now and then. Words of wisdom from Aaron Rodgers. And look, we say it all the time. It, it, some people were surprised by what he said yesterday. We've been saying it for years. You got to know when to get down. You got to know when to avoid contact. The more hits you take, the more likely you're going to get hurt. There's no magic to it. If you don't get hit, you're less likely to get hurt. Yeah, you can still pull a hamstring or a calf muscle or whatever, but torn ACLs and you know, broken collarbones and whatnot. Hey, that's how Aaron Rodgers broke his four years ago. Held onto the ball too long and got pulled down to the ground and broke his collarbone. So yeah. you have to know when to call it quits. And that was his advice to Joe Burrow spe- uh, specifically. Yeah. Because we saw Burrow this take a huge insane. hit. Yeah, a huge, huge hit. And he, he ran his way right into it. He's fearless. That's good. But it's also very bad when you take that kind of hit. I mean, just it's just I mean, I really appreciate his guts and everything there. But I mean, Joe, come on, you you were six yards away from the first down right there. You weren't gonna get it. It it just goes back to the old adage of what we talked about. Like you just got to see the bigger picture. Forget for yeah, there's a slide, right? Great job, an important part. But like the bigger pic, bigger you know piece of the or puzzle is we. We need you, the Bengals. They're they're nothing without you. They're not. It's not going to be the same team. You're going to ruin your career. It's just not worth it. And that's not being a coward. It's actually being the opposite. It's realizing that there's more at play here and that, you know, your safety and health really dictates a lot of people's futures. Your coaches, your other teammates on the team who probably are like, man, let, I'd like to be here and stay in one place for an, a long time. If you get hurt, we lose games. People are going to get fired. So that's where he's got to realize it. And that was just insane. And he's lucky he didn't get concussed. He's lucky he didn't hurt his other knee there. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is right. Slide. Yeah, absolutely. You know, cliches become cliches because they fundamentally are true. The best ability is availability. And if you're a quarterback, you have to be available for your team. And, you know, we have counseled publicly – not privately, but publicly, many quarterbacks. Carson Wentz, most recently, you have to know when to call it quits. Being Superman, giving in to that that temptation, that desire to get that extra little bit, that extra yard. Look at Daniel Jones on Sunday, trying to get his way into the end zone. Oh, you got concussed. Yeah. You have to know when to call it quits. You have to know when to slide, get out of bounds. And the Aaron Rodgers has always been very good about understanding whether he can get from point A to point B before someone yeah. in the different colored helmet gets to him first. Right. He has. and and Because you, you never see him. T- now, we've seen him take the hits when he's held the ball. But he's in the long, pocket. He's trying to make him. something right. happen. That's a different thing. When he yes. runs, right. when he runs, you don't see it happen. Right. No no doubt about it. He's got a great feel for that. He's. I mean, I can't really remember any time in his career. And, of course, he's been a very good runner. That he has got just absolutely like his clock cleaned or anything close to that. Yeah. You know, you you said it right. The two times he's hurt his shoulder or his collarbone have been, you know, holding the pocket, trying to make magic happen. I got somebody holding me and I'm still trying to throw the ball. 
and uh, you just got to abort mission there. But, yes, he has a great feel for it, as do a lot of other quarterbacks. But there's a few right now, especially I think this new age of quarterbacks where they really look at themselves as more of like, I'm a football player too, and I'm a great athlete, and I've always been able to run and lower my shoulder at every level, yeah, that's good. It's just the NFL's a different animal. I don't care what level of college football you played. It just doesn't matter. The game is not the same. It's so much more fierce and violent and fast in the NFL. It's not even comparable, even in the SEC. It's not, which is the best conference in college football. Kyler Murray is the one who I think is the best right now at avoiding contact. You see him slide horizontally yeah, if he right, has to right to avoid contact right. and he never gives into the temptation to try to fight for a few extra yards he'll take that last step out of bounds but you know you still periodically will see a quarterback pretending to be going out of bounds and then turn it upfield for a few more cheap yards that still happens because guys are 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 still freaked out it happened this weekend take off i saw lamar jackson do it right well it happened lamar this weekend jackson and trevor lawrence got hit yeah and this is going to lead us into our next topic here right i mean he got hit and they threw a freaking penalty and this is where the nfl i mean they've lost their mind with the, the protecting the quarterback thing it's gone way too far it's absolutely ridiculous right now it's it's every game and too many big moments and it's changing the game for illegal touching the quarterback forget the hits they're not even hits a lot of the time and like, all right, we got Rogers right on some of the roughing the passer stuff. Like, yes. let's let's hear it. I mean, we might as well. Let's hear it. All right, I'm Play hosting it, the please. show, Mike. Here we go. <laughs> go ahead. I understand what, what Edgy was saying and Carson was saying. You you feel like you're a part of it when you're taking a shot, and you you know you got your pads on for a reason. And, and then some of the rules, you know, they're giving penalties out uh, for hits that aren't really that damaging, you know, or 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 brutal. Uh, you don't. I mean, look, I had one last week. I don't know what the penalty was for. I didn't feel like I got uh, – I think it was TJ. What? I don't feel like it was a bad hit or uh, overly rough hit. Uh, I was surprised there was a penalty. You know, and I'm not begging for those type of penalties. If you get drilled in the head, yeah, of course. I mean, that's probably a penalty. The below-the-knees one, if it's a blatant one where a guy's diving at you, which doesn't really happen a whole lot, I kind of get that one. But all the other ones, you know, you want to feel like a football player. I don't feel like sliding makes you less tough. It's just – Sometimes it's a smarter thing to do. Agreed. The the roughing the passer penalty really has gotten out of control. And uh, I don't know what they do about it. I don't know how you fix it. I, I, I know that they want to protect the quarterbacks. That's the whole idea. Sure. But it's not like it's reducing the number of hits on the quarterbacks. And what are defensive players supposed to do? I've joked in the past they should just make it like roughing the punter and roughing the kicker and say you can't touch them after the ball's away. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the only bright line that would be consistently applied. I mean, that that's the, the, the problem that I have. The, the rules say what they say, but then they're applied in a way that feels haphazard and overly restrictive. Exactly. And, and, and look, th- th- this isn't... I'm not being facetious here. I'm suggesting that the only way that we have a bright line that is consistently applied without this sense of unfairness is if we do treat it like roughing the punter and roughing the kicker, which is a far brighter line as to what you can and can't do. Now, people would lose their minds. 
the quarterbacks all of a sudden can't be touched once the ball's out. How in the hell are you supposed to know that? Well, they do it with punters and kickers all the time. I'm just saying it would be a lot easier to have consistent application if that was the rule. Yeah, I, I get. I mean, like this. This is ridiculous. I this is this is illegal. What what? This is a hit. What? JJ Watt, TJ Watt, one of the Watts on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right. I don't know what about that was illegal. There's there's too many every week I watch. The this is again where I don't know if refs are overwhelmed right now and the game's gotten too fast or what. But it's just there's to me, you know, and then you know two plays later you'll see a receiver go over the middle and a safety will headhunt him and hit him in the head and they don't call it. They're like, "Oh, it was it was a close it was a close play." And you want to go, "No, they launched at his head." I mean, we can go back to the Monday night play against Devontae Adams down the middle. What? Now, that's a penalty. He launched at his freaking brain. Use some common sense here, NFL. Like, it's getting stupid, and it's affecting games in the wrong ways. Josh Allen, it it affected us on Sunday night. We would have had a great finish on Sunday night. Oh, oh, no, be careful. You're going to have Bills Mafia. I don't care. The Bills Mafia knows I got their back. They know that's my boy, Blue. He jumps in the air, and Frank Clark is coming and going to hit him in the midsection. I mean, what do they want Frank Clark to do? Do a 360 spin roll with a 240-pound guy in his grasp and then not land on him at all? Like, I mean, this this game was going to get dicey right here. Uh, that, that to me is just, it's it's gone ludicrous, and I'd like the NFL and the referees to start using some common sense and go watch some, like, high school football and see. what Josh Allen's going down like that before he, Frank Clark has no way to, to get out of the way. Josh Allen is going down and turning and going that way, and he can't do anything, Frank Clark. I mean, to me, I, okay, blows to the head. Yes, if we see, like, a defensive lineman really launch at the head of the quarterback and try to make the head-to-head guy, call it. You see somebody dive at their knees, call it. But if somebody's getting blocked with a 340-pound man on their back and they happen to hit a guy in the thigh, no, common sense. That's stupid. It's called football. The guys are making $40 million a year back there. It's okay for them to get hit. It, it's To me, it's dictating the game too much. The referees have gone way too far. The NFL's gone way too far, and they're influencing the game. It's become, oh, this referee likes this quarterback, doesn't like this one as much, blah, blah, blah. I don't yeah. know, but it's annoying me right I think now. it's they're trying to keep the quarterbacks healthy. When there's they plenty of good quarterbacks in football, healthy. we we don't need to protect them like they're the like the, the, the forbidden treasures of like some Egypt tomb. I mean, get the hell out of here right now! It's stupid. And and for anyone out there who isn't familiar with Chris's background, he did nearly die on the field. Yeah, he he, he knows what it's like to take abuse during a game. He's not, you know, he he and and he's 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 saying that the quarterbacks today can take a little bit more than maybe they are. Here's my suggestion. Yeah. And I'll keep this brief. And I've said this before, but this is a perfect time to mention it again. The NFL needs to, and they won't, but that doesn't mean they don't need to do it. They need to take the entire officiating function. They need to roll it up into a ball and throw it away and start over again in light of all technologies that are available today. Do you need seven people on the field at field level, completely different perspective, no pads on, in danger of getting run over by one of the gladiators, trying to spot with the naked eye things that are whizzing by. Does that make sense? Or does it make sense to have a skeleton crew that is there to you know move the chains and, and keep peace and have order 
but then you assign you assign people hang on Pete you assign people to to officiate from above what if there's one official whose job is to watch for roughing the passer and nothing else on video on video so the call comes either in real time or immediately after when you're seeing the replay back was it roughing wasn't it roughing it's not something the referee has to decide in a moment on the field while it's happening, someone can take a closer look at it and make that decision. And that's that person's job. Now, you could give them a couple of other things, but they are exclusively responsible for roughing the passer, just like the referee is exclusively responsible on the field for roughing the passer. And what if there's one person who's responsible for interference? There's another person who's responsible for holding, and they're all doing the officiating from above. I'm telling you, it would be a lot better. It would seem more fair. And with gambling spreading on a legalized basis, see to Shining Sea, they better get ready to come up with a better way. Because you're right, Chris. These roughing the passer penalties, they, they just didn't, they invite frustration, consternation, and speculation yeah, that the fix is in. Exactly right. They do. 100%. And it, I, I'm like, uh, I mean, it, something has to change. There, there's no doubt about that. There, there's, you know, I mean, I, there's just too many plays where guys trying to bat the ball as the quarterback's throwing it gets pushed into the quarterback. Now his his wrist accidentally hit the quarterback's helmet, fifteen yards. Like uh, th- th- it's it's just it's too much. It really is. And then as you know, I'll go back to what Brady said at the same thing. You know, I mean, Mike, you might be on to something, but I'll go back to what Brady said a few months, you know, a few weeks ago because I've been saying it for a long time too. You know, the defense has a right to the ball. We're letting, you know, bad play sometimes be rewarded. I mean, that's where I don't get it. Oh, we didn't block the guy, but, whoa, you hit our quarterback too hard. How dare you? Here's a penalty. Hey, you guys did a crap job on offense, but here's 15 yards. Quarterback, stupid decision. You threw it into four defenders. We're going to call pass interference on the four defenders, even though I'll watch film and go, wait, the receiver's got his hand around one defender and he's ripped another one, and they've called it on the defense. And it's just too subjective, and it, and they're off more times than not. And I'm, I'm like, I, 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 it's, it's really been apparent to me lately. It really is, to the point where I've almost wanted to take a log on Sundays and start going like, Here's a play, here's a play, here's a play, here's a play, and start just like calling out the league on Mondays and Tuesdays and go, look, I got 35 plays that I think were, I'm sorry, I know they're referees, but I've watched more football than they have. Sorry, I have. Been around it too, and they're stupid, and they're wrong, and they're affecting the game, and maybe that's what it's going to have to come to is that somebody like me is going to have to start doing that and pointing it out to where maybe we get a change. One of these days, Chris, you're going to get sufficiently comfortable in this job that you'll come out of your shell (laughs) and you'll say what you believe and not beat around the bush. I really don't like this nuance. You know, it makes me think too much. I just want to know what you believe, and I wish that you would say it more directly. (laughs) No problem. Let's take a break. I'll work on that. When we return, (laughs) will we be seeing Tua Tonga-Vailoa this weekend when the Dolphins face the Jaguars in London? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Feats of strength, week five. Let's go to Dallas. How about Randy Gregory? Nate Whoa. Solder gets, oh my gosh, take a seat, Nate Solder. Why didn't and they Chris, call a legal hit? The break. No, no roughing the passer because Why? they don't care about Mike exactly Glennon. Exactly right. They don't care I about bet Mike you if it was Brady or Mahomes, it gets called, but screw Mike Glennon. We don't care about him. 
Here's Kyle Juszczyk, who takes down not one but two blockers as Debo Samuel gets into the end zone. We'll give you another look at this so you can appreciate the work of number 44. There's Way to one. go, Juszczyk. There's two. Get out of the way, and Debo gets his way to the end zone. Chip of the week. Oh, curled Joe up Bosa. like a ball. Looked like uh, got the guy shook. who saw Derek Carr was. Got shook. Come on. He got shook. Come on. Curled Joey up like Bosa a ball here. Curled up like a ball. Fetal oh, position. Joey, don't curl up like a ball. I'm still mad at Joey was... for saying that about Derek Carr. <laughs> cheap shot. Low I love blow. Joey. I, I love Joey. Too, and I thought it was a cheap great. Shot. Uh, blitz pickup of the week from Mike Davis. As I said to Pete, if that's the blitz pickup of the week, it wasn't a very good week. But still, still, he puts him on the ground. We'll that give Mike Davis good. some credit there. Yeah. The folks in London got to enjoy that. Enjoy this in Las Vegas. Khalil Mack facing the Raiders. And he takes Derek Carr. And that's really not a feat of strength. He just kind of, look at look at the skill required to get through there, hit that guy, spin through, quarterback got him, he's and so, then slam him to the ground and say, oh, I didn't do anything. He's so Why worried. They flag? know. They're like, wait, I touched him. Am I, was I allowed to tackle him there? What do I do? He did, he did kind of slam him down, although his head didn't hit the get turf. Get over it. Good he's thing. making $25 right. million in this football. Get over it. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and at some point we have to unpack the future of Derek Carr. Ooh. I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of stuff we haven't thought about yet as the Raiders move forward because right. Derek Carr is entering the final year of his contract next year and he's going to have a new head coach and he doesn't want to Tom engage Brady. in any t- t- discussions for his contract, right? I, I do thought I thought I read that over I, the weekend where that was broach and he just doesn't even want to deal with it right now. Yeah, well, I don't think they want to deal with him either. I think that's part of it. I think nobody wants to talk about it. Tom Brady is talking about a thumb injury. That happened when he hit his hand against a helmet on Sunday in the win over the Dolphins. He says it's not serious at all. It's more discomfort that should be gone in the next day or two. I look at it this way. If they were concerned about it at all, we wouldn't know about it. Just like the MCL last year. The only reason we know about this is they truly believe, Chris, it's no big deal. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think they know that it's, yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, he banged it, but he's fine. He'll still be throwing laser beams on on uh, Thursday night. So it's not an issue. Thumb is, thumb is a, you know, it's a tough one. There's no doubt. You know, there's, there's a, a scale as far as fingers that are important for gripping a football. You know, thumb is in the top three for sure. You know, the middle finger like we saw with Russell Wilson last Thursday night, that's one of the top ones because, of course, you know, you're going to grip hard with that middle finger. And, you know, so that's an issue. Same with the thumb. It's the only, you know, digit on the backside of that football. It's very important, especially to quarterbacks who, you know, Brady is a uh, a guy that likes to really grip and squeeze the football to a degree. So I'm sure it's annoying, but yeah, I think you're right. The fact that they're acknowledging it means it's not annoying enough to where he won't be awesome on Thursday night. You mentioned the Russell Wilson injury. There was a great exchange on the Fox pregame show on Sunday where Jake Lazor spoke at length about what they did surgically to the middle finger of Russell Wilson. There were two different defects that had to be fixed and his timetable for coming back after the middle finger injury. And they go to the desk and Terry says, hey, let me tell you, this is a very important thing because when you throw a football, the last finger that touches the football is your index finger. And he went on and on about that for a little bit. And finally, Howie Long said, Terry, it's his middle finger. And Terry looked at the camera and said, hey, America, just forget about everything I said. (laughs) (laughs) Only Terry could pull that off. Terry Bradshaw. Exactly. Classic Terry Bradshaw. It was great. Um, (laughs) Tua Tungavailoa does not have a thumb injury or a middle finger injury or an index finger injury. He's got 
a rib injury that's had him on injured reserve. He's been designated to return, injured the ribs back in week two. He could, in theory, play this weekend. When you get put on injured reserve, now under the current procedures, you just have to miss three games, not three weeks, three games. So he missed week week three, week four, week five. He was put on IR the Saturday before week three, but you can come off after you miss that third game. He's off, and now the question is, will he be activated come Sunday when the Dolphins play the Jaguars, I think the fact that he's been activated so he can practice tells us they're they're leaning in that direction for Tua to play when the Dolphins try to send the Jaguars to 21 straight losses. I, I would think so. Yeah, uh, I mean it's um, they need a jump start. They need something there in Miami on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it hasn't been pretty. So there, there's no other way to say it. Jacoby Brissett's just been okay. That's all there is. I mean, it's been less than okay. Last week was, you know, less than okay. I mean, uh, maybe the Colts game was just okay. So, you know, they're, they're, they're having offensive issues. It's the downfall of their football team. And I'm sure they are looking for Tua to get back in there and see if he can at least give them a little spark and get them back on the right track. Well, and there aren't many soft spots on their schedule, especially given the way they're playing. This is one where maybe Tua could play and build a little confidence against an inferior team. Yeah, I I hear that. Definitely. Uh, And, you know, they got them. They got the Falcons, right? And then they play the Buffalo Bills. It's one and four. I'm sure Brian, Brian Flores and company are trying to sell to their team that this is not over yet. We still got a lot of football to go. You know, they do have a talented defense, but man, their offense has put them in some really, really tough spots. Uh, throughout the the whole season, and it just hasn't been good enough. So you drafted two in the top five. Hopefully they're hoping he can come back and play and make a few plays and help this offense get going again. We'll talk more about this game later in the week, but the Dolphins are kind of a guinea pig here for playing in London and not having a bye immediately after that. They wanted that, and I think the NFL wants to study how that works because if there's ever a team in London or a more expansive use of of London for other games, you can't always guarantee a buy on the back end. But they're playing the Falcons the following week, who are coming off of their buy following the game that they had in London. So it'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins perform a week after playing the Jaguars in London. Let's take a break. When we return, we'll take a look at this week's power rankings with your input, your questions. It's always very friendly. It's always very cheerful. It's always very supportive. We'll have it next on PFT Live. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution.